Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I've heard that many people have had great difficulty remembering that the service this week is on Friday and not Wednesday. We are so used to Wednesday Vespers in Lent that it's hard to remember the change to Friday. And it looks like there's at least some people who forgot or couldn't handle the change to Friday. So why do we have a service tonight? Well, before there's a birth, there has to be a conception. Conception occurs nine months before birth, give or take a few weeks. So do you get it yet? Which other church festival takes place on the 25th of a month? Christmas. Yes, that's right. Christmas always falls on December 25th. And since we celebrate our Lord's birth on December 25th, nine months before that is March 25th, the Feast of the, the Annunciation, the day when Mary heard the message from the angel Gabriel and conceived the Son of God, our Savior. And in fact, the Annunciation is the older, older uh, uh, celebration. Then uh, it's older than Christmas. Christmas is derived uh, because it's nine months after the 25th. And so today, we take off the white or take off the purple for a little while, put back on white. We pause the fasting and repentance and uh, never uh, the, the season of fasting and repentance, and we take a moment to celebrate. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's March 25th. Born of the Virgin Mary. That's December 25th, nine months later. So today we hear again from the angel Gabriel this startling claim that Mary will conceive in her womb and bear a son. But the question is why was it necessary? Why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin? The first reading helps unpack that. Through our first father, Adam, sin and death have come into the world. Disorder, disease, and death have come as a result of that one act of rebellion. Adam chose the way of death over the way of life, and he did it for all of us. Just as death came to Adam because he sinned, so death comes to all because everyone sins. We sin because we have inherited a sin nature from Adam. We don't just follow Adam's bad example. 
just like your parents have passed on to you certain traits, so also Adam has passed on his corrupted nature to us. We are actually made sinners by the nature that we inherit from our forefathers and ultimately from Adam. Our humanity is ruined, and we can see that because we do not fear, love, and trust in God above all things. In fact, that has been replaced with a, con a constant inclination and appetite for sin and destruction. We have rejected God from being king, and we have decided to rule ourselves. We like our rebellion, and we want to sin more. Adam sinned, and he died. All of the rest of us sin, and one day we will die. We are ruined by sin, and we ruin everything else. Don't you feel the misery that, of, of living in a world under sin and death? There's, there's, of course, a paradox here. We live in a world of wonder and beauty, but yet it's savagely destroyed by evil and overshadowed by death and suffering. And it's our fault. Humanity's fault. We broke it. Politics have become about gaining power and about self-seeking more than anything else. We're appalled every time we hear of another round of unjust killings. There's hatred and discrimination and inequality under every nook and cranny. The flames of lust are often fanned into blazing fires. The economy is fueled by greed and people who want to use it to get rich. And there are riots and wars. There are famines and diseases, all of which is a result of our sin. We brought sin into the world, and we have left a bloody trail of death and destruction with it. We are all sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, and we are we're stuck, imprisoned in their deadly decision to decide for themselves what's good and what's evil, and, and they chose death as better than life. We're all bent inward, curved in on ourselves, curved away from God. We're self-oriented. That's how we are. And we can't be fixed. No, at least not by anybody in this world selling you self-help books. No, God holds us all responsible. That's why no amount of rule-keeping is going to fix anything. God did not give you His law as a self-help, fix-it-yourself guide. God's law only makes things worse because it shines the light of truth on all of our excuses that we make to try to justify our own actions. We're not only guilty sinners, we're actually hardened rebels. When we come face to face with one of God's laws, our natural and immediate desire is to break it. 
I saw that illustrated once in a, in a mall. You know, they had those shopping carts. And there was this little bag on the back that you can put your stuff in. And on that bag, there was a sign. Do not put your child in the bag. Now what, as soon as you say that, what is the immediate thought and desire of the human heart? I want to put my child in that bag. <laughs> right? I would not have known that I wanted to put the child in the bag until the sign told me I can't do it. That's the human heart. That is how we are bent and turned away from God towards sin. And so by itself, the law is actually powerless to stop the spread of sin and death. All it does is expose and show how far the decay and the blindness have gone. So now here is where the whole virgin thing comes into play. Today the church remembers that a virgin conceived. And yet, we live in an age of skeptics, don't we? We know how babies are made. We know virgins don't conceive. We know that. And believe it or not, they knew that too. And virgins do not ordinarily conceive children, but these are not ordinary circumstances. God is involved, and with God, nothing is impossible. The angel Gabriel does not leave us any doubt whom the Father is. God himself is the Father. Jesus is not only going to be her son, he's, he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Holy Spirit was going to come upon her. The power of the Most High was going to overshadow her. That means this is the work of the Creator God Himself. This child is not only a Son of God, He is the Son of God. Like Father, like Son. The Creator God, the Almighty Himself, the One who made all things, who upholds creation and keeps it running, that same Creator God takes up residence in a virgin's womb and becomes a man. The Creator becomes the creation. God becomes man. The fullness of Godhead is dwelling in the womb of Mary, a human mother. So God becomes man because we need a second Adam. We need somebody exactly like Adam to come and do it over. We need a new head of creation, a new birth, a new start, a new creation. We need someone who is both one of us and also not descended from Adam. Who isn't, and we need a son of Eve who isn't a son of Adam. One who does not inherit Adam's sin. That's Jesus. He is the second Adam who undoes everything the first Adam did, who succeeds where the first Adam failed. He takes upon Himself our humanity. He makes it His own humanity. And we say this every week. 
who for us men and for our salvation became man. For us children of Adam, he became the new Adam. He embraced our humanity when he took flesh and blood in the Virgin Mary. And did you notice that the text says that Mary's son will reign upon the th- uh, will reign upon the throne over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there should be no end. Maybe just maybe all of the fuss and bother about whether Mary could have conceived without a human father is because deep down we don't want to think that there is a God, a king, who could claim that sort of absolute allegiance from us. You see, we all have this natural aversion to the idea of God being king. Like Adam, we don't want God to be king because that would mean that we are no longer calling the shots. It means that we would actually be accountable for what we do. And we live in that world that is broken and damaged. We live with the results of the evil choices that we have made. And evil itself is the result of choosing to live our lives in rebellion against the king. We don't want Jesus to be king because we want to do whatever what, what we want. We want, as humans, we want a God who's a genie, who we can summon at will to do our bidding. We don't want to be subjects to a God of the Bible. But I want you to see that the king is not, this king is not a tyrant. He's not cruel. He's not demanding. And he's not going to, he doesn't have his finger over the smite button just waiting to zap you. No, instead, we experience his astonishing generosity. What we wouldn't even dare consider doing, God did without hesitation because he loved you. Just as Adam's disobedience led to universal disaster, so the righteousness of Jesus Christ has the gracious power to undo all that disaster. He sent his son to die the cursed death upon the cross and to rise again on the third day. And he did so out of his immense love for us. Because of what Jesus did, God is merciful towards you. Because of that one righteous act, all of the ruin of sin has been undone. Because of what Jesus did, we are forgiven and we now enjoy the promise of the Holy Spirit. The child announced by the angel, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. This Jesus Christ is our King. What does it mean for Jesus to be our King? It means that at one point in time, you had no King. You rebelled against God, and you were captive and under the power of the devil. You were condemned to death, entangled in your sin, blinded, 
And it means that despite your rebellion, Jesus has sought you and he's bought you from sin, from the devil, from death, and from all evil. God became man, conceived without sin by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. He suffered, died, and was buried, all to make satisfaction for your sin, to pay what you owed, not with silver, not with gold, but with his own precious blood shed for you. The same blood which you receive at this altar every week. All of this Jesus does because he is your king. And now you belong to him. You will live under him in his kingdom in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness by God's grace. That is most certainly true. And that is why we have a service tonight. Because it is a thing worth celebrating. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.